You're listening to Beyond the Pipe with Chris Morgan and Sean Ring. So I just finished probably the smallest really functional pipe that I've ever made. The smallest really functional one. Yeah. So years ago I did a pipe with, uh, we did a contest, Steve Liskey and I, and we tried to see who could make the smallest smokable pipe. And mine came out to like an inch and a quarter. His came out to an inch. Mine had a uh, green, I think it was a green and white ebonite or Cumberland stem that was shaped with a slot. So it still had a stem and everything. It wasn't just like your one series with a brass tenon. It was an inch long, the whole thing, an inch long. And we had to demonstrate that it was smokable. The chamber was an eighth of an inch diameter. So, you know, you pack like literally crumbs in there and you can like smoke it for like half a second. And his technically was smaller and still smokable, but it didn't have like a removable stem that had the tenon and all the cool stuff on it. So that's crazy. So that's kind of the smallest that I have made up until this point. Now this was, this is about three and a half, three and a quarter. No, I think this was three and a quarter inches long, three and three. Okay. 3.6 inches long um, with an inch and a quarter tall bowl. It was a love it uh, customer requested. He collects tiny uh, scaled down versions of pipes. The fact that it was a love it though, you know, you got to do the, 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 the saddle stem, which was like three quarters of an inch in total. It was a massive pain in the ass. That's crazy. People don't realize how hard making a pipe out of scale is, whether that's tiny or a giant pipe. I mean, Oh yeah. I get asked all the time why the price of something is not lower because it's smaller. It's like, well, it was actually a lot more work. Yeah. And it can be a lot harder. And then if you get into like Magnum or Jumbo pipes, I mean, having the proportions correct on there, it's completely different from what you normally do, as well as the briar being more expensive. Of course. And I mean, once once you get down below like four and a half inch long on a pipe or above like... I don't know, let's say seven and a half, your, your scope of buyers dries up really quickly because most yeah, guys are going to want like, you know, your group two to four Dunhill shapes or size. And, uh, there are guys out there, you know, Rich Esserman, he buys huge pipes, but they need to be very specifically right for his collection. And then this guy, um, he wanted something really small and he has other small, like scaled down versions of other cool shapes. So, um, it was fun. It was an extreme challenge, uh, to just get the proportions right. And I, I still feel like I'm out of proportion on this, but there's only so thin you can get a shank. You know? Yeah. I've actually been experimenting in my mind on how I would do that. And I've looked at some really, really tiny shanked pipes. And my theory on how a lot of that happens is that you go with a longer tenon and, a looser fit because you, instead of having, you know, five eighths worth of friction, that's tighter. 
if you had like an inch worth of friction that's really loose, yeah. the stem's not going to be loose, but then you're not going to risk cracking it. Yeah. That's so what I, I, did I think that's what a lot of guys would do. The the tenon is almost as long as the stem. And, and Oh, that's funny. In, and then you just made it smaller diameter? Yeah, it's it's like seven uh thirty seconds and it's um it's sleeved. So what I did was I sleeved the the mortise with Delrin so I could just fit it in and it's you know. So you have a nice... Delrin on ebonite fit sleeved yeah. within a super tiny shank pipe. Yeah, to reinforce the shank because it is really small. That's crazy impressive. Nice job, man. Thank I'll you. never forget I my first year in Chicago. There was, I was sitting at a table having a drink and a pipe and I look over and there's these three guys that are pretty old. Let's just say that. And all of them had these gigantic pipes and they were all magnums and two of them were smoking these bent billiards or no, I'm sorry, bent bulldogs. And the bowl was like a baseball. Like they were just massive. And it was, I wish I would have taken a picture and if you guys are out there listening, congrats to you for having the taste that you do. Cause it's impressive. Um, but all of them had like terrible posture and they were all like, their necks were all crooked down <laughs> because they're all sitting there clenching these gigantic freaking pipes. And it was like, I, I'd never, I've never seen that before. I didn't realize that there were so many people and there's a small amount, but there's quite a bit of people who actually really enjoy very, very large pipes. But well, the thing a, is, they have to be proportional to where when they are sitting by themselves, it looks like a normal size pipe proportionally until yeah. there's something next to it for reference. Yeah. And that's that's kind of this one. I mean, if you put this in a photo by itself, you're like, oh, that's a normal size. Love it. And then you add like I just took a photo. It's going to be up on my Instagram uh, pretty soon here. And you put you put the other pipe next to it and you're like, whoa. Like, it's like that thing is crazy small. Yeah. I remember seeing a couple of the pictures you sent me that were just, there was nothing for reference. And I was like, wow, that's really well shaped. And then you showed me it in your hand and and you have pretty small hands. I'm pretty sure that's, I do. I have small hands. They make cheeseburgers look huge. That's a Burger King reference from back in the day. So a couple years back, well, not a couple, it was like six, seven, eight, whatever years back, there was a whole trend where people were wanting these huge like Coke can pokers. And I, when I say Coke can, I don't mean literally the size of a Coke can, although some of them were uh, the size of a Coke can. And the whole thought process was behind it, I guess, for them was that if the walls are super thick, then you're not going to feel how hot, you know, the pipe gets. I'm like, well, that's kind of like contrary to what you want. You don't want the pipe to get hot because that means the tobacco inside is way too hot. And if you have a thinner pipe, you know, that's kind of the ideal. Like, I don't mean thin, thin. I just mean like quarter inch to three eighths inch walls, I think is probably the max you would want because then you can actually get feedback and you say, oh, the pipe's getting too hot. Okay, well, I'm going to put it down, let it cool. Because if they're too hot for your fingers, it's definitely too hot for your mouth. And Um, then you get less flavor. You get less flavor because all the volatile compounds are burning off too fast and and the oils and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, theoretically, a big-ass pipe is probably not going to yield a better smoke unless you're an experienced person. Yeah. If you know how to smoke a, you know, a three-inch deep bowl of tobacco because you 
enjoy sitting there for two and a half hours. That's one thing. But a lot of the reason people like church warden pipes is because they have a long stem that's going to help the smoke cool down by the time they, by the time it gets to them because a cooler smoke allows for more flavor. It's just like if your food is too hot, you're not going to taste as much. True. If you're making tea or coffee and it's way too hot, you're not going to taste as much. It's kind of the same thing with that. I've never had much luck from church wardens because I, I feel like that transition of material. Um, and I mentioned this on a recent uh, Instagram reel that I did with the one series. Like, why doesn't have a st- why doesn't it have a stem? And I'm like, well, if you remove the stem, you're dealing with only wood. Wood is inherently warm, and I don't mean literally warm, but it's inherently a warm considered a warm material. Whereas metal is considered a cold material. Plastic is considered a cold material. Um, if you're going from a porous warm material to a uh, non-porous plastic, it's going to develop condensation because that stem is much cooler than the briars. And then boom, that's where you get your moisture and your, you know, you get, get your pipe all gunked up and all that kind of stuff. With a church warden, you have much more cold material than wood, right? So once it hits that plastic, it's just condensating the whole way up the stem and you're going to end up getting a wetter, possibly gurgly smoke based on that. That's not for everyone. Some guys, they love church wardens. I like them. I like the idea of them, but you know, I also like the idea of like hard boiled eggs, but I don't like the fact that they're so sulfury. So, um, you know, to each his own, but another, another reason that I've heard that, that people wanted those big pipes is that they'll never burn out. They can, they can chooch them as hard as they want, you know, fired up with like a torch or something. They're toot toot and just go into the races with it. And they're like, yeah, but it'll never burn out. This thing's invincible. And I'm like, in in my tenure as a pipe maker, I want to say almost 17 years, I've seen maybe 20, 15 or 20 burnouts ever. I mean, like after seeing just just handling bones. I mean, I've had tens of thousands of bones uh, sold and I've had maybe five ever burn out. It's in, it's incredibly hard to burn out a pipe. And I feel yeah, like that's I've, missed on a lot of people. I've seen only two or three burnouts ever, not with my pipes, but just ever in the 10 years that I've been around just on Facebook groups and Instagram and stuff. I've only seen two or three instances where people have made posts saying that a pipe burnt out. And I, Bet almost every single one of those was at least somewhat user error. Of course. Smoke too hot. Or you know what it is, is the, the bones that had burnouts, they were obviously through pits. So, you know, you would see like, you know, I'd ha- I would have them send the pipe back or I would have them take photos and you're like, okay, well, there's obviously like a pit there. And then you'd see the chamber. I'm like, you know, scrape at that and see what you've got. And you're like, okay, there's obviously a pit that went through. It missed, you know, QC. Normally that would have been pulled, but it just happened to slip through. And they got a new pipe out of it. It's, you know, because I have that, I have the warranty. If you burn out one of my pipes, it's replaced. Um, the, the only other way that you can burn out a pipe if it's not from a pit is if you have a super heavily smoked pipe. And generally when you have a super heavily smoked pipe, it's going to be in a state. They probably bought it at like a, 
you know, on eBay, it's been smoked to death for the past like 30 years, improperly cared for, not trimming the cake. That's something that people forget all the time. If you want your pipe to live a long time, you have to trim back your cake to like an eighth of an inch. Because otherwise the cake actually can crack the bowl. It can start creating fissures. Um, I personally have never had to trim cake just because I cycle through my pipes quite a bit and having a larger rotation, you don't really get a lot of cake on your pipes. I also don't smoke like 10 bowls a day like some people do. Um, but that's the only other way. And I mean, I, guys have tried to burn out pipes on purpose. Like, yo, I'm going to try to like smoke this to death. Obby, I sent Obby that pipe that had a very obvious pit. I mean, this thing was a a pretty thin walled Dublin. And right at the last minute when I was sandblasting, a little pit opened up in the heel. I was like, damn it, I can't sell this. This is definitely going to burn out. It's probably, it's probably about an eighth of an inch of material in between that pit and the chamber. I mean, it's, it's just asking to burn through. He's been smoking it for like four months now daily. And it's gone from a natural finish, blonde, you know, unstained to black. And it still hasn't burned out. That's crazy. Which is nuts. So Everyone, don't be stressed out about burning out your pipe. Um, pits are unavoidable sometimes. Sometimes they're just hiding in there. It's a natural material. And sometimes you'll happen to just burn through in the process of, you know, generating a cake. And then, boom, you'll start getting darkening on the outside. But never in my life have I ever seen someone smoke a pipe and it, like, burst into flames. I'm not sure that's possible. Mm -mm. If you're doing that, you're probably burning the hell out of your tongue before it even gets to that point. Some guys don't have senses on their tongue. Like they don't even know they're doing it. Like I'll pick the wrong Virginia or if the Virginia doesn't even have like five, six years of age on it and I'll smoke it and I'll just, I'll feel it for like the next two days. So yeah. What are you going to do? Smoke cooler. That's what you got to do. And listen to your pipe. And if your pipe is getting too hot in your hand, it's not that it needs thinner or thicker walls. It's that you probably should slow down a little bit. Yeah. It's probably a good idea. I've had some some pits on the outside of pipes recently that they were requested to be a natural finish. And I don't allow pits for a natural finish. It just it needs mm -hmm. to be totally blonde if I'm going to do that. And I've had some people not really understand that if I have a really exceptional blast or something and it's a natural I can't always commission another one because there's so much luck in getting something like that. Yeah. That's suitable for a natural. It's just like, I don't commission smooth for that reason. Like there's just not, I don't have access to Briar. That's going to give me a smooth every freaking time. Yeah. And a lot of that doesn't exist anymore. It's yeah. just, it's getting harder and harder to get those things. And I think people should be more understanding of, okay, well, this is going to have to be stained or we're going to have to start over. And that's okay. The whole blonde, the whole blonde smooth thing is it, it always was the, the upper echelon on prices. Like if you look at any of the, uh, like they did the, the pipes and tobaccos magazine, you know, uh, pipe of the year for years. And that was the one that was the most expensive because that's the hardest to attain because you have to have low or no pits and the grain has to be good 
which is the top 1% of the top 1% of the top 1% of the briar out there. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's an infinitesimally small number. Um, and sometimes you'll come across that and sometimes you'll have to work at it to attain that, which is kind of what happened to you with that, that spiral shape that you did, right? Yeah. I actually recently readjusted the way I was doing a pipe. I had a slightly bent brandy that had incredible rings all the way around, but then one side of it had a pit that wouldn't blast out and it wouldn't blast out and look right. So I ended up doing a carved spiral that, you know, it kind of looked like a, if you look at the top, it kind of looks like a flower in a way. Yeah. And then I blasted on top of that too. And that worked really well. And so as pipe makers, we have to, you know, rethink and adjust. And there's so much problem solving in pipes to make it work. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be very flexible as a buyer, but also very flexible as a, as a pipe maker too. You know, you've got to come up with an issue or come up with a solution to an issue on the fly to still make it work. So that way you're not just scrapping everything that you do. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, why a that's... lot of the reason why we'll put like shank caps on and shank extensions or, accent bands and things like that. Yeah. Bam- bamboo is not like a decorative. It's not, it wasn't there to be decorative. It's, it's there because you've got a pipe, it's got a massive flaw or you broke, you know, the shank off shaping it or something crazy happened. You're like, well, shit, now I have a bowl with like a half inch sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. And then they threw bamboo on it. Now, I don't know if this is historically accurate and someone's going to come out of the woodwork and say, no, that's not why they did it. And that's fine. Cause doesn't really matter, but it does matter because it's a fix. It's something that we yeah. do to fix. And I'm not, I'm not trying to give away all the secrets. There's all kinds of weird stuff that certain people do that others don't find ethical, but the vast majority of pipe makers out there are going to give you a structurally sound pipe. It's just that there are some certain modifications like a silver band, Say, you know, you, you shape out something and you're like, well, there's this little pit on the, the end. Well, I can throw a silver band over it with some epoxy and it's going to be structurally sound. And if you have pin gauges, you can do that at the very last minute. You know, you pop it on your lathe and you can yeah. shave off that piece and put a band I actually on. did a pipe about six months ago that was like that. It was a little tiny apple Levat. Yeah. And when I was doing, I can't remember what I was doing on it, but I had the shank actually like crack just a little bit on the very end. Mm-hmm. And so I put a, I chucked it up on a pin gauge and cut down a little shoulder and I put a sterling silver ring on there and it actually turned out to be a way better looking pipe anyway. But I did that because I was able to adjust what I was doing and yeah. come up with a fix to the problem that, that happened. Yeah. That's, I mean, rustication is that. Right. Like no one, no one's going to make a pipe and be like, yes, I'd love to spend two hours grinding at this with some nails. You know, no, it's, they're doing it because there's pits and that's the whole point. Sandblasting. It's done because there's pits and later it developed into like, Hey, this grain is pretty badass. And then it even goes further than that where people are now are specifically looking for really nice blasts. Yeah. I get almost no commissions for smooths. Well, I mean, I don't commission smooths, but I don't have very many requests for smooths anymore. They're, they're not as popular. No, but you also see a lot of people, a lot of newer makers that will have technically perfect briar because there's no pits. 
So they make it into a smooth, but then the grain is not flattering whatsoever for the shape. Like all of that has to play into, Mm -hmm. into, you know, all of it. Like I have a, I have a gold grade stamp where I actually inlay my stamp with gold. And I've only done about five or six of those ever. And I only do about one or two, maybe three a year. And that's a pipe that's going to be a natural smooth. It's where the grain is perfect, no pits. But also, the grain has to complement the shape perfectly. Otherwise, I don't do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just are like super excited that they got a technically perfect smooth, but in actuality, like half the pipe is bald. Like there's no grain or there's bird's eye where it shouldn't be or the ring or like the flame grain is just off to one side. And yeah, that's just not really that appealing, I don't think. Well, it's, it's also got to be economical too, right? So it has to reflect like no pipe maker out there is saying like all my pipes are $300. Doesn't matter if it's smooth. Doesn't matter if it's high contrast. Doesn't matter if it's sandblast. Like everyone has a different way of, of rating their, their work. I mean, uh, Tang has the M grade, which is the tippity top above snail. And there's maybe two of those a year, you know, out of the hundreds of pipes that he's producing a year. I don't even know about that grade. It's like crazy. It's the crazy high end stuff. Um, you got Teddy Knudsen, you know, he's got his, his, uh, God, what is his, his is, uh, I've got people yelling at me. I can hear it already. Like it's called the blah, blah, like shut up. How do you not know this? (laughs) No, I, it's so funny because I was just talking about this the other day. Um, Tom is the snail and Teddy is the. Why am I thinking of whale? I don't know. Anyway, it's been a long day, guys. We'll have to research me. that. I normally know this shit. Mine is a carrot, which is like a funny little play on the whole rabbit theme with the brand. Like I have a literal cartoon carrot that I stamp into it. And there's only three pipes out there that have that. Oh, wow. So it's got to be, in fact, in fact, one of them, nay, two of them are at tobaccopipes.com. Go over to tobaccopipes.com, pick up Morgan Pipe. Carrot grade. Or, or, uh, or talk to Sean and pick up a handmade pipe. Or talk to me, because my handmade pipes are on my website now. For those that don't know, Chris also makes pipes by hand. I do. Not just sells bones. But That's we're going to have an interview of, with Chris later on. It's going to be pretty fun getting to know Chris as a maker, not just as the bones guy. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm down for that. Yeah. I don't know when we're going to do it, but anyway, everybody, we're going to have a shorter episode today, but I wanted things to be short and sweet and get a couple things out there. If anybody has any questions or comments, please email us at beyond the pipe, the number one at gmail.com. It's beyond the pipe one at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.